this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And this is an Encounters episode. Encounters. Nice. You did it. <laughs> Nailed it. 2019, I'm just going to slowly become you. <laughs> We're going to become so much like each other that no one will be able to tell us apart. Wow. Great. I'm into it. That's going to be fun and spooky. Um, we are your ghostesses. Let's see if you can tell us apart without us introducing ourselves. You don't get that luxury this time. <laughs> Kidding. Um, that's Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. Hey. And Sabrina, you somewhat kind of mentioned to me that you have a story about Waverly Hills Sanatorium, and I'm dying yes. to know. So do you want to tell me now? Yeah, I will. Because, okay, so the beginning of last, our regular episode, so about nurses and doctors, uh, I was saying I was in Minnesota with Nick's family. And I forgot to mention that Nick's aunt, Aunt Erin, went to Waverly Hills Sanatorium and, like, did the overnight there and experienced a shit ton. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. And oh, my God. Did she see the creeper? No, but they definitely, like, felt dark energy and it was, like, scary. And she brought home an entity. What? So they left and they went back to their hotel and she like she's very into the paranormal and she's kind of had a lot of experiences. So she was like, all right, everyone who I went with, like she sat in a seat and then took a photo and then she had someone do it for her and all the photos are normal. But then they get to her photo and above her right shoulder is an orb. Ooh. And so they're like, OK, something followed me home from Waverly Hills. And she doesn't really think too much about it. And they go home back to Minnesota and they have this shower downstairs in the basement. And it's super creepy and weird. I don't know why it's there, but it is. And she said she used to shower down there. So she went and like went to go take a shower and she kind of felt like something had followed her home. I think maybe they took another photo of her when she got home and that orb was there again, like in the same spot right above her right shoulder. And she felt like it was a little boy. And then, so she's in this shower down in the basement alone, and it's a creepy basement. We walk down into it, and she's like, that's where most of her paranormal occurrences happen in her house. It's in the basement. And so she's showering, and all of a sudden, the entire shower, like, everything starts shaking very violently, and she said she screamed for her husband, and he came running down, and she's, like, shampooing her hair, and she's, like, I can't get out right now. So she's, like, you need to stand here and wait until I'm done, and I'm never using this shower again. So she says she think it left, but she's not sure. Maybe it just went home with her for, like, a brief period of time just to, like, check her out and never really intended to stay for a long time. I don't know. It's, I like, when know. we did, was it the dolls episode where one of the spirits attached to the doll, like, goes home with people just, yeah. just yep. for a few days and then always returns back to the museum. I don't know. It's so did she terrifying. actually experience anything while at Waverly Hills Sanatorium or was it all I think she upon did their, returning home? She said there a bunch of things happened and she said she has a ton of photos of orbs and a bunch of like visual proof that she said Yikes. she has to find and send. How crazy. Yeah. I know. Let me know when you get those photos. I was telling her about how that's probably the most haunted place we've ever talked about and probably the place yes. that scares us the most <laughs> definitely <laughs> i can't believe she went i know i know i don't understand Jeez, um, i don't know I, I feel like me. i have like a weird temptation to go there of all places that's even more concerning because i want because if it's 
drawing you there. Yeah. They're trying to get you. They're luring you in. Resist it. Well, as you know, this is an Encounters episode. Yeah. And in Encounters episodes, we read spooky, scary, sometimes heartwarming and mm-hmm. lovely experiences that you, the listeners, have experienced yourself. So, without further ado, Sabrina, would you like to go first? I would love to. Thank you for offering. Okay. This is from Jamie, and she has her subject line is Soul Sisters. Hey, girls. So, I just wanted to start by saying I absolutely love this podcast. I have never listened to a podcast before, and for some reason, this one popped up onto my Spotify, and I decided to listen. Seems like fate to me. I've been contemplating emailing you guys for a while, but lately we have had way too too many similarities that I just felt like I needed to email you. First of all, I am from Bridgewater, just south of Boston, and you guys mentioned the Bridgewater Triangle in one of your episodes. I was just going to say, Bridgewater Triangle. She said, I just listened to one of the episodes that it was mentioned in, but I'm a bit behind on episode 30. Second, Corinne, I have been to all the places you talk about in Boston, like the Omni Parker House and and all that, so I love when you talk about it. I'm also 23, and listening to you guys makes it seem like I am just chatting with friends about ghosts. It's just crazy how many similar experiences I have had to personal stories you have told and the topics discussed. I have been experiencing the paranormal my entire life. I more sense and hear the ghosts and thankfully have never seen one. I have so many stories, I don't even know where to begin, so I'll try to pick out my best ones. I will do my best to keep them short and simple. Sleepwalking. These episodes have happened throughout my life. I will wake up suddenly just as I am opening my bedroom door. So basically, I sleepwalk across my room and wake up just as I open my door. This has always freaked me out because I feel like I'm opening it for someone. Mm. Anyway, this goes along with my dreams. I've always had extremely vivid dreams that go hand in hand with my sleepwalking. For example, one time I had a dream that someone was in my bed profusely bleeding. He looked like a soldier or something and I was trying to stop the bleeding. When I... When I woke up, I had piles of toilet paper all around me in my bed. I'm assuming I slept, walked to the bathroom, and got the toilet paper to stop sleep- the soldiers bleeding. This may not be paranormal, but these dreams always leave me feeling very open and scared. The worst one of all happened when I was about 13 years old. So when I was 13, I was skinny. I was a skinny, awkward kid who was obsessed with the Jonas Brothers. So I had a stack of magazines, about like 50, on my desk chair in my bedroom. Who wasn't obsessed with the Jonas Brothers? I went to Nick Jonas and the administration. I went to the Jonas Brothers and I went to Camp Rock too. That's what I'm saying. Who wasn't so, obsessed with them? Everybody was. Yes. I went to, um, so my friend got like cool special tickets to one of the like secret shows in New York City and I went to her with that. And uh, and then I went with my sister and two other of my, our other friends and my sister drove us. It was like when she first got her license and we saw their tour bus and tried to follow it. <laughs> then we were like we're going like 30 minutes out of our way we can't just follow them to their next uh, performance it's crazy anyway for a bit of background my bed was kitty cornered in my room when i woke up my desk chair was wedged in between the bed and the wall so hard that it had put two holes through the wall with the legs of the chair i woke up so scared that i jumped out of bed and ran to the door once i opened it i ran to my mom's room and fell I looked to see what I had tripped on and my huge stack of magazines were perfectly stacked right outside of my bedroom door. So I have no memory of this, but all I can assume is that in the middle of the night, someone or something needed a seat by my bed. So my very weak 13-year-old self carried the magazines out my door, shut the door, and then carried the chair next to my bed where I proceeded to slam it into the wall to get the perfect fit. 
My mom's room shares the wall with my room and she didn't hear a thing. The story still bothers us and we have no explanation. Then there's Helen. Throughout my life, I've always had a ghost that has followed me. She has never felt malicious or evil, but more like a caring soul. I would always hear her footsteps in the kitchen and the cabinets would always open on their own. I accepted her and just treated her like part of the family. Even my mom would hear her. When we moved to a brand new house, however, the feelings began to change. Suddenly, the feelings I got from my ghost felt very different. She began slamming the cabinets and drawers and her footsteps got stronger and would come up right behind me. She had never gotten that close before. Then one day I was in the shower and I heard the front door open and shut. I assumed it was my mom or brother, so I called out so they knew I was home, but nobody said anything. But I heard footsteps come up the stairs. I called out again and nothing. Then, as if it was placed in my head, I heard, it's Helen. <laughs> so I assumed it was my ghost's name and began addressing her where, whenever I felt unsafe. This made matters worse. All of, a, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I began hearing these loud, hollow bangs that were so loud it would make my, wake my mom and I. We would both come out of our rooms and just stare at each other. It made me feel better that she heard them too. And after a while, we stopped acknowledging the noises. Then, she started getting a bit more bold. We would, we would hear the noises in the daytime, as well as what sounded like marbles being dropped on the hardwood floor. Then, one night, I was having my friends over when my mom wasn't home, and I don't think Helen was a fan of unsupervised parties and underage drinking. While my friends and I were leaning on the counter next to the stove, which we had a gas stove, all of a sudden it started clicking like someone was trying to light it and a huge flame shot out of the stove. No lie, it was like eight inches tall. We were all so spooked. Then, after we got over that, she knocked over a paper towel roll and two glasses, shattering them in the sink. Let's just say she was not pleased. A few days go by at this point, but I'm still home alone. My boyfriend and I were heading to my house to spend the night, and we, when we pulled up, all of the lights in my house were off, which I thought was odd considering we have time lights that automatically come, come on. We also have no street lights, so it was actually pitch black. Once I unlocked the front door, I flipped on the light, flipped on the outside light, and it immediately blew out. Odd, but whatever. Reminder, I had been home alone all week long. I then took a step into my kitchen and turned on the main light. It illuminated my dining room table to reveal that all of the chairs were turned backwards. Ooh! The backs of the chairs were touching the table. Then we heard a loud bang and the light blew out, leaving us in the darkness. We have never run faster. I slammed the door and we jumped back into his car and peeled out of the driveway. It was terrifying. That's just like, I don't know. There's just something about that that feels so malicious, you know, to change. I I guess it's part of like the anal retentiveness in me and liking Mm -hmm. order to do something that's so obviously like the wrong way to irk someone (laughs) just it's scary that it like kind of built up to be so much i don't know so intense but she said helen didn't stop there i'll let you i'll email you again with more experiences keep up the great work i can't wait to catch up to current episodes much love and stay spooky jamie and she says that she has not done a reading she's considered getting one but she hasn't done it yet I'm really curious what would come back if she does do one. Because it's weird. I mean, we know that a lot of dark entities kind of are benign at first, and maybe it was just kind of seemed like a fine spirit, but it wasn't. But the chair thing makes me think of, it's like the image in my mind is like something really scary where it's like all the chairs are turned backwards and then there are different entities in each chair. Yeah. I'm also thinking about the fact that the spirit or entity spoke out its name and said it's helen like that just seems like such a i don't want to say smart but 
I feel like that was the smartest thing for it to do because if they weren't really paying much attention to what was going on, we know that negative energies feed off of people recognizing them and giving them more energy and to be like hi my name is helen so then you're always like hey helen what's up and then you're not supposed to speak dark entities names so it's like oh i don't know but i also it's i i'm conflicted because some of it seems like not scary and like it would make sense if it's like a past relative or someone from past life who's like jamie girl your mom's out of town like don't bring your boyfriend over I'm gonna I'm gonna scare you so you leave so you don't bring him back or like don't have parties here you know but it's also done in such a malicious way that like shooting up eight inches flame is dangerous and scary and like could catch something on fire and yeah it's beyond just being like I want you to follow the rules it might be like I want you alone Ooh, and the the lights turning off is scary and uh So this was in Bridgewater. So like this was real close. Yeah, but it seems like Helen's got her isn't going to come visit you anytime. Oh my gosh. We should do an episode with Bridgewater Triangle because there's some craziness that happens in that yeah. area. I yeah. I wonder the sleepwalking stuff is so interesting. Like I definitely think maybe she's just open to the paranormal in her sleep and so she mm-hmm. really is having these spirits come visit her and talk to her but i wonder who they are and i right. wonder maybe helen first came to her or found her through one of her dreams i just picture her in bed asleep hearing like come hang out with me it's helen do you want to come out to the hallway and her walking sleepwalking slowly to the door <sighs> and finally her body realizes what's about to happen yep. and her fight or flight kicks in and it wakes her up that's why she wakes up right in front of the door every time because she yeah. was about to open it and follow this entity somewhere. And I'm sure not all of them are bad. Like the soldier seemed like a like she truly was trying to help him, which is so interesting. Yeah. Woo, that was a good one. Yeah. Here's one for us. This is called I Lost My Ghosts. Oh, hello, ladies. This is Michael from Charles from Charleston. For the last month or so, I've been seeing two ghosts on my morning ride to work at about 3.30 a.m. I ride a bicycle eight miles to work in Charleston, West Virginia, and ride past a big stretch of river. That is where I usually see them. One lurks behind the trees as I pass, and the other stands in the open and follows for a few minutes after I pass. Interesting. I used to see them daily, but now they aren't anywhere that I look, and I kind of miss them breaking up my morning ride. (laughs) They never gave off any bad vibes and was never threatening, so I didn't mind them. If I see them again, I will try to get a more clear viewing of them so I can accurately describe them. But as of now, they're just black shadows in the dark that I see by the water. Whoa. I hope you all two have a good show and keep keeping it paranormal. Whoa. Michael. Okay, I wonder if Michael can look up any deaths by that river and find out if the spirits are connected to that river specifically. And maybe if he knows who they are, he can call out for them. Right, I know. And my other thought too was that maybe in the beginning it was they would follow him because they were so curious about him but after a period they're just like oh it's just michael going by on his bike again they don't really come out it doesn't mean necessarily that they're not there right 
It's so interesting. Well, also terrifying to ride your bike eight miles at 3.30 in the morning. That's very scary. I, I know. never want to do that. Promise oh to you, Michael. Seriously. Um, I was like, oh, this is kind of concerning. <laughs> I hate being outside past 5 p.m. now because it's dark. Right. And then, too, just doing anything on the side of the road at night. You always risk people in cars and danger. That's interesting. I like I like the idea of like having two ghostly companions and then you're so concerned when they disappear. He misses his ghosts. Misses he lost ghost. them. Oh. I lost my ghosts. I love ghosts. that. Isn't it cute? I really enjoyed that. Okay. Okay. This is from Tegan and the subject line is paranormal experience while camping. Hi guys. Love the podcast. Thought I'd share this one. I hope you enjoy it. Keep up the awesome work. My name is Tegan, and I have a brother who is a couple of years older than me. We've always been really close. His name is Danny, and we love going camping together whenever we can. Sometimes we'll rent a log cabin on a lake somewhere for our vacations together, but we're pretty outdoorsy types, so we usually elect to go hiking or fishing and set up tents somewhere instead. So last fall, in early October, we did exactly this and made our way to this gorgeous sprawl of forest in New England to spend a few days nature walking and making sausages over a fire and listening to podcasts like yours it's sort of how we bond now that we're both adults and have separate lives that seem to be drifting further and further apart every year things were going great the weather was perfect and the fishing was good we were having a blast just hiking and taking pictures and talking all day we set up our tent and built a fire and settled in for the night drinking beers and lying around until about midnight danny seemed perfectly fine and we brought our huge ass tents that technically made were made for like six people so there was no jostling for space for our sleeping bags or anything. I was out 10 minutes after we laid down, thanks to the beer and all the hiking earlier, plus the haunting calls of the odd loon or two that hadn't yet mi- migrated for the winter. Pause one second. Pausing. Hold on. <laughs> I happen to have, have a loon call next to my bed. Why? Because my dad got it for me for Christmas. Because I live do in New England. <laughs> do you do this on a regular at night before you go to bed? Just do a loon call. That was called the whale. Wow. Yes, a particular call sounds better when the loons do it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is becoming a really high quality podcast. We have sound effects. And everything. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait a second. I can help here. <laughs> so that's what <laughs> Tegan and Danny were hearing. They've always been really soothing to me. There we go, Tegan. Corinne is going to soothe you to sleep. Just put that on repeat. (laughs) And once I heard Danny mumble, goodnight, I was out for the count. He sounded as tired as I was, so I was planning on both of us sleeping in tomorrow morning. Usually we're both early risers and would try to beat each other to making the coffee and hash over the fire for breakfast. But I felt weirdly exhausted that night for some reason. This was all why it struck me as really weird when I sort of kind of woke up in the middle of the night to find Danny's sleeping bag flat and him gone. But I assumed he had to go piss or something, and I didn't think twice about it before passing out again. I hadn't even heard him rustling around the tent, but I figured I must have slept through it, and only his absence had and only his absence had eventually woken me. I slept for a few more minutes, but then I was abruptly woken again by the sound of Danny's footsteps just outside the tent, and weirdly, one of his hands pressing into it, creating an outline shape of it against the canvas. That's super creepy. I said, Danny? For a long minute, Danny didn't answer. It looked like he was dragging his one hand across the surface of the tent for some reason, pressing into it like he was looking for a weak spot or something. 
My brother is very tall, about 6'5", so his hand was higher up than a person closer to my size might have been. That was my only indication that it was him until he finally said, Tegan. That was it, just my name, and I was becoming increasingly creeped out at this point. It was pitch black outside and everything was bizarrely silent, which any campers who might see or hear this will know is highly suspect for a forest in early autumn, or any time of the year for that matter. There were no bugs, no birds calling, no trees rustling, nothing. And that was when it hit me, and I felt like I'd been doused in ice water. My brother hasn't called me by my name in years, if he ever has. Ever since we were little kids, since I was a baby, really, he called me sissy, because when our parents first brought him home and explained that this was his new sister, he couldn't really work out the word, and he kept saying sister and sissy. And they thought it was so cute, so after a while, I was sissy at home. We were born in the South, so this is fairly common where we come from. He calls me sissy when he texts me, when he calls me, when he messages me on Facebook. He calls me sissy, sissy when we're hanging out, when he's referring to me in any way, even when he's talking to his friends about me. That sissy, my sissy's coming with us tonight, etc. I can't remember the last time he's ever said my name out loud. There's literally no reason he'd randomly be using it now in the middle of the night in the woods. It occurred to me in that moment that whatever or whoever the hell was standing outside the tent right then wasn't my brother. I didn't know what else to do, so I said, Danny, what are you doing? Come on out, he said, instead of answering me. Oh it's my gosh. It's beautiful out here. Come look at the stars. <gasps> oh, this kind of reminds me of the bird box. Yeah. Like, look, it's beautiful. Open your eyes. Oh gosh. She says, I don't want to. I remember blurting before realizing how weird that sounded, but when he, what he said next sounded even weirder. Tegan, come on out, he said, and I nearly shit myself when I heard it because it, not only was it dragging out the last word in this incredibly creepy sing-song tone, his voice had also changed. Sorry, I'm going to do it again. Tegan, come on out. <laughs> That's what I imagine it sound like. <laughs> At first, he sounded like Danny, but on that last word, his vo voice went raw and guttural and harsh, like he was straining to get it out through a throat packed with sand and at least one, and at least an octave deeper than he sounded before. But now, I scrambled out of my sleeping bag and was up against the opposite side of the tent, and I grabbed for my glasses so I could see better. But I wish I hadn't because I'm pretty sure whatever the fuck was outside our tent had seven fingers on the hand it had pressed onto the can onto the canvas. I was terrified that something had happened to my brother, but like a coward, I stayed silent and waited until whoever or whatever was outside seemed to give up and walk away. Its footsteps didn't sound like Danny's boots anymore either, but a rather heavy, scraping walk that dragged through the dirt and leaves far more slowly than Danny walked. I sure hope they brought weapons with them on this camping trip, because I'd be shitting myself too. Well, they were fishing, so they had fishing poles at least. They had little fishing lures. They were probably outside in the back of the truck. Oh, God. Once I was sure it was gone and the birds and bugs started making noises again, I bolted from the tent to find Danny. He wasn't far away, wandering through a patch of trees calling for me. Sissy this time. I asked him what the hell had happened and he demanded to know the same thing. He told me he had woken up to the sound of me calling him from the woods, asking him to come help me. I told him the story, the whole story from my end and he was like, nope, we're out. Pack up your shit. I'll fire up the truck. Not, neither of us is super, a superstitious type by nature, but there was just no denying the absolute madness of what we had both just experienced. We hit town by dawn, and to this day, neither of us can explain that night. 
She said we were at Marl's Standish State Forest in Carver, Massachusetts. And she said she looked into it, and apparently there have been a few unsolved murders in those woods, along with several paranormal experiences reported. Great. Is this a Massachusetts episode? Are you trying to scare me? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. I, okay, so her brother, sorry, is it done? (laughs) I like just one more sentence. Uh, My brother and I have lived in Massachusetts since leaving Louisiana when we were very small, and there's so much creepy history to be around here. The worst best part is how it seems to follow us around specifically. I have so many stories like the camping one. Uh, I've asked a few people with some knowledge on the subject around it, and the popular opinion seems that we encountered a mimic of some kind. Hope you like the story, Tegan. Okay, I'm just so curious about what would have happened had she exited the tent because her brother's experience was that he heard a distant voice so he was lured away right but there was someone or something a creature whose hand was on the tent like just feet away from her she would have been face to face with something so i wonder if she was always the target and that the other voice luring her brother away was just to get him out of range for whatever was to possess or hurt or do whatever what's weird to me is that so when tegan woke up she realized right away that her brother wasn't there Mm -hmm. and so it's weird to think that her brother woke up and didn't realize that she wasn't right there that's true like maybe whatever this was like kind of made it look like she had disappeared what if it's not actually her brother who came back with her i'm just kidding sabrina I'll go save her. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm close. Yeah, go drive up there. The last person you'd want. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, I'm scared. I'm leaving. Great. No, you're a fighter. Thanks. (laughs) If I needed help, I'd call you. Hey, I've done that in the past. You have. That's really what I think solidified our friendship. friendship. (laughs) I was about to say relationship, and I was like, that's not the usual word people use for friendship. (laughs) Although we have more than just a friendship. We have a relationship. We do. And we've lasted longer than most relationships do. So, like, go us. Yeah, you're one of my longest relationships. (laughs) (laughs) I've never dated someone for, like, more than a year or so. The things that we do to avoid talking about Tegan's experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's horrifying. And honestly, I grew up camping with my family. And we would go, not just alone, we would go with a bunch of other, like, family friends and neighbors. And it was so fun. But... When I was camping, the only thing I would ever think of while in the tent was what if a moose comes out of the woods early in the morning and like stomps on our tent and kills us? Or what if there's like a murderer coming around? I never, ever thought that there could be these like lurking creatures, these paranormal beings taunting you. I always thought of murderers. But like, yeah, it's weird because these whatever these entities were seem like. Yes, they're paranormal, but seem like murderers in a sense, right? Like they taunt in right. the same way of like teasing you and trying to get you to come out and like, oh, it's so scary. And I'm I, so glad she I, I don't want to concern anyone, but if we think about numbers and statistics, it kind of seems to me like the chance of you getting murdered while camping in the woods is less than the chance of you being targeted by some spiritual and paranormal force. I think that's very true. I mean, hiking buddies, that's an episode we did early on that was all about being outdoors and camping Mm -hmm. and all the crazy crap. Because things hide in the woods. Think of all of the things that we've talked about, every topic, skinwalkers, melon heads, 
the New Jersey devil, these all linger in woods, like wooded areas and wait for you and lure you in. Bigfoot, I wouldn't be surprised if demons. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that they did get out. Same. Of that scenario. Shall I read us something else now? I don't Please. remember what I have for this week, but we'll see if it's any nicer. Okay. This is called My Dream That Is Heartwarming Yet Creepy. Okay. That's a good balance. Hello, ladies. Hope this finds you well. My name is Ed. I'm a heavy equipment operator. I work 12 to 15 hours a day, so I got Spotify to listen to music to pass the time, and I found your podcast, and I fell in love. Woo! In the last week, I've listened to every episode and have started over. Damn! You're a more dedicated listener than me, Ed. I haven't (laughs) listened to half of our episodes. Same. I used to in the beginning, and then no. Yeah, and then, you know. We trust each other. Yeah. And I don't want to listen to my voice anymore. (laughs) Same. I just get more self-conscious. Yeah. But anyway, on to my dream. I lost my dad the month before I turned seven to a suspicious car accident. I'll tell you about that down the road. A month after he passed, I had a dream. And in my dream, I was in my room on my bed and I heard a car pull up. I looked out of the window to see a green station wagon, just like the one my dad had bought my mom a few months before. The car had six people in it. My dad, my aunt, two of my dad's cousins, my dad's uncle, and my great-grandma. My dad got out of the driver's side and walked to my window that was closed, and I could barely hear him, but he told me that he was okay and that he loved me. And he was smiling and he held out his hands like he was trying to hand me something, but I couldn't get the window open. And he said, well, we have to go. And he turned around and he got back into the car and he drove away. I was still fighting to get the window open, and I woke up at the window crying. I ran to my mom's room, and I told her what I dreamed, and she told me that he was just letting me know that he was always going to be with me and how much he loved me. We told people about the dream, but never questioned anything else in the dream until later. Since then, everyone in that green station wagon has passed away. What? Three in car accidents, one heart attack, one from cancer, and one from suicide. Now I think the dream was also a warning, and I still cannot figure out what he was trying to hand me. Ooh. Stay spooky, and I'll see you on the other side, Ed. Doesn't that give you chills? It's weird to have a dream of your dad who's passed away, and then in the car that he comes to visit you in are people who you know are still alive. And it makes me wonder, too, if perhaps he was going to hand him some sort of warning and tell him what was to come about the other relatives in an attempt to save them somehow but maybe that was that was too risky he was trying to manipulate fate oh and so something stopped him and he started getting pulled back and that's why he was like i have to go because he's not allowed to change the future right oh my goodness that's so fascinating Mm-hmm. wow even leia's like wow she's locked outside the door and i've just heard she has her like paws sticking out underneath the door she's like trying to get in crazy (laughs) she's cute wow she is cute this is you had much more heartwarming although interesting stories than i and mine were scary (laughs) yours were both based around where i live (laughs) i try to sometimes i'll read when i read emails i try to pair together some type of theme and so this week was how do i scare corinne the most (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome okay well well 
this was fun. This was terrifying. This was heartwarming. This was all of the emotions. This was ghost stories. This was an encounters episode. Thanks for listening. And if you have ghost stories, uh, email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Although we are no longer responding, we are reading them and we are including them in episodes. And so send us everything you got. We also have social media. We have Instagram. You can follow. We post a lot of ghost photos or things that we reference on that page. And it's also basically like a fun meme page because, you know, we have to lift ourselves up after scaring ourselves twice a week now. Exactly. And then you can support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or uh, purchasing merch, which is badass and awesome. We have like awesome designs by so many creative listeners actually most of our designs were created by listeners and uh you can also donate to our patreon and we will see you on the other side